hello everybody and welcome to No Chick Flick Moments. I am your co-host Remy. And I'm your other co-host B. Welcome to our Supernatural Watchcast, your one-stop shop for all things Supernatural Meta. I'm making that my tagline now. Just I just enjoy FYI. it. We'll find something that fits nice and snug. <laughs> and today we are discussing Season 1, Episode 21, Salvation. The penultimate episode of season one. And that was a dramatic pause, not because I definitely did forget the number and title of the episode, but I found it. We got it. We it's got fine. There. We're here. We're on the right page. <laughs> We're so close. This is the penultimate episode of the first season. Yep. Just like I said. <laughs> oh, is that what you said? <laughs> That's exactly what I said. Uh, B, you know I don't listen to you. You know I just sit here and wait for my turn to talk. I know, I know. It's fine. We're fine. And you know what? You were right last week. This is a to-be-continued episode. Yes, yes. I felt like... I think I said last week that I, I, I vaguely recalled it being a two-parter, but I wasn't sure... I was surprised at how much this episode, like, surprised me, because I didn't remember half of what went down in this episode. Yeah, yeah. And I actually thought that we ended this episode more along where I now know we're going to be ending next episode. So I was like, I don't know what I thought was happening in between what is actually the, like, the big moments of next episode that I thought they were in this episode. But, um, But we're not talking about next episode. Yeah, we're not there yet. Right now, we're talking about episode 21. So, give me the deets. Okay. This was <laughs> an episode that was written by Sarah Gamble and Rael Tucker. Our, um, they have been our duo for a few episodes uh, this season. So, welcome back. It was directed yep. by Robert Sanger. And the original air date was 427 27- Oh, six. Oh, God. Okay. What does the synopsis have to tell us? Uh, <laughs> this one Are gave back to paragraphs. This one gave me a hand cramp. Oh, God. And it also made me unreasonably angry because the first sentence alone is like six lines long in my notes and I don't know why. I don't know why this single sentence has so many subclauses and commas and awfulness, but this is this is how they wrote it. So anyways. Okay. Okay, here we go. Sam has a vision of a family being attacked in the same manner as the attack on his mom. So he, Dean and John, head off to find Salvation, Iowa, to save this family and finally kill the demon using the cult gun. However, Meg calls and lets the family know she is going to start killing their friends unless they return the gun. John meets Meg to deliver a fake gun while the boys are left to deal with the demon. I think I inserted a couple extra words there, but you get the guess. Yes, yes. Good lord. Yeah, this is a doozy of an episode. And I'm so mad, B, because, um, I don't know, I don't think that they actually open with the, the road so far. Um, maybe they do, but, uh, this is the first, like, previously on 
intro that mm-hmm. has some like rock and rock music behind it and i know that whatever song they played was like boo fake music uh so i don't know what oh. originally what song was originally in this intro do you know what they played Wh- do you know what they played remy <laughs> what did they play me i want to know i must know I don't want to say the title for I fear inflicting psychic damage. What what did they play? They played Carry On My Wayward Son. <gasps> no! Yep. Yep. They did not play it in the last episode of the season. They played it in this episode. And I fucking flinched off the couch. <laughs> it was like my back just turned into steel. I was leveraged up into sitting and I just went, No! That is so, oh, of all the songs, I I, I can't believe that Netflix will replace Carry On in even a single instance of it playing in this show. I mean, I would think that they would just have fucking blanket permission to use Carry On. Well, I'm curious. Like, I'm curious about the other finales when they do the recap with Kansas. Does Netflix not have that music playing? I'll fucking find out. <laughs> oh my god, that's a little bit of a Bernstein, Bernstein revelation of like, wow, there's a complete other universe taking place on Netflix right now. It was so... It was, it was honestly a little bit jarring because I'm so used to those... Like, so... So, so far, um, in season one, they, they have had previously on segments, but it's always been like, uh, one family has suffered, like kind of the old school title description reading. Exactly. They haven't been playing music, um, over these previously ons. And this is the first time that they did. And it was jarring it was a little jarring to not hear one of those like classic rock pieces mm-hmm. um just like this generic ooh, 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 ooh. this is a oh rock God. song <laughs> i don't know <laughs> it was bad um but and to know that it was replacing that yeah yeah and yeah and yeah and now to know that it was replacing carry on oh it just lost all of its oomph lost everything it deflated like a sad little balloon <laughs> so they have this big you know previously on it's 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 dramatic it's we it, we've got music now so we know that it's big you know we know that yeah. we're setting up for the finale now uh, and it's like ignoring 90 percent of the episodes because it's like this family had a bad time 22 years ago they're missing their dad they found their dad <laughs> sam has psychic visions and now they have to go and fight the demon using the gun. Right. Now you're caught up. <laughs> right, right, right. It, ignore all the 15 episodes of Monster of the Weeks in between. Yeah. All that character growth. Well, that's not what we're dealing with now. Right now. Oh, my God. We have... <sighs> okay, now I'm just mad because I'm like, boo, fake music. Ugh. Anyways, <laughs> I'm over it. I'm over it. Right now, we are opening... The episode in Blue Earth, Minnesota. Yep. We're in a church in Minnesota. And we are seeing Meg enter the building. And she is confronting the pastor. Basically being like, I need someone to talk to. I'm not a good person. Like, that holds feel. Right. Right. Well, let me... 
let me just tell you in my airy, innocent girl voice all of the yeah. bad, bad things I've done. Yes, exactly. And we learn that this is Pastor Jim who she is talking to, and he is eating it up. I think he's used to, you know, sad people coming in, needing assurance that they're not going to hell. So he <laughs> is like, no, salvation was created for the sinners. And she's like, even me? And flashes her eyes and they turn black, showing that she's a demon. And he wigs out because it's consecrated ground or it's hallowed ground, he says. And so she shouldn't be able to enter. Um, so he runs. Yeah. And Meg says, you know, maybe that works in the minor leagues, but not for me. Yeah. Apparently she's OP enough that she can enter the church just fine. Right. He takes off and it turns out that he has like one of those, I don't even know what they're called, one of the priestly rooms, but this one is like filled with an arsenal of weapons. And he throws a knife at her. She catches it out of the air. She does that line that I fucking hate, where it's, you throw like a girl. And we find out that she wants the Winchesters to find out that she has killed him. Yes. It's, hey, it's 2006B. You can't expect too much. I expect more. (laughs) (laughs) Even for 2006, I expect better. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, well, yeah, she, at first, it seems like she's maybe trying to angle for information about the the Winchesters because Jim mm-hmm. asks, you know, what, what do you want? And she says the Winchesters. And he says, even if I haven't spoken to John in a year, even if I knew where they were, I would never tell you. And she's, and she, she's basically like, oh, no, I know. I'm yeah, just, she's. I'm just here to kill She's you. She's like, cute. I don't care. <laughs> right. Die. Right. Right. Yes. And so this poor man that we've heard about and never seen dies before, like, we get to even the fucking names finishing on the screen. <laughs> yes. She slits his throat and he's left to bleed out. Yeah. Yay. So we cut to Man in Colorado. We get to see... John's murder board, um, all of the research that he's put in, and we get sort of a lore drop where he is explaining um, what he's been up to the last year. Yeah, and, and, you know, I forgot to check because when we were opening in and kind of doing some detail shots of everything that's going on in this room, all of um, what John says is... um, everything all the information all the evidence uh that he has accumulated over the years uh about this case and about this demon it's all here uh i i meant to pay more attention to the room during this scene are they in a motel room or the do they look somewhere like i i was picturing maybe something like more cabin in the woodsy somewhere that as much of a home base as John could p- possibly have, or are they are they just in a motel room? I think they're still in the same motel room as last episode. Okay, well that's good attention to detail. So so he just has like this trunk of shit in the car that he yeah is ready to 
pull out and tack on the walls and red string. (laughs) Yeah, I think he has like a D-ring binder that he keeps in like the passenger seat of his truck. And then he like whips this out to be dramatic, as you say. Yeah, yeah. I was I was a little curious about that. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's the same motel. Um, I was not paying close enough attention to confirm that. I'm just as we're talking, I'm like, okay, if they're in Manning still, it's not likely that they went to Elkins' cabin since it's a crime scene. Mm-hmm. Um, the only other place we saw them in Manning besides the vampire lair was this motel. So that's my guess is where they're hanging out. Sure, sure. Yeah. Um, and so basically what John knows is that the, he caught wind of the demon about a year ago, so he doesn't know if it was hibernating or underground or what, but it started being active again. And as he was chasing after it, he saw these cues that would give an idea of where it was going to be. And as he was chasing it, he never was quick enough to stop whatever its plans were, but he was there in time to find the aftermath, which is this demon seems to be targeting families with six-month-old babies and having the exact same thing play out in their house as what happened to the Winchesters the night Mary died. Right, right. And, uh, yeah, this is what he was saying, you know, he for their whole lives they've been um trying to find something like this some lead like this but it's just never happened and now the exact the same thing is happening again and the this is the like the solid lead the first solid lead that he's gotten in 22 years uh and now he's sniffing out the the patterns uh, yes. now that the demon is revealing itself in some way. Exactly. And he said that he was never there in time to stop the tragedies that are befalling these families, but in looking for a way to predict where the demon will strike next, he's noticing the signs that seem to be popping up around the area's uh leading up to the attacks themselves so he's saying that he's seeing these omens um or what we recognize as the demon yeah. omens which is the uh, the electrical storms the cattle deaths the changes the bizarre weather changes things like that yeah. and these are the signs that are cropping up in these areas before the attacks. So if they can track that, then they can track the demon itself. Yeah. And John verified that these signs also took place um, before Mary died and before Jess died. Yeah. So it's enough evidence for us for now. But um, when Sam hears from John that the demon is going after families with an infant that is six months exactly old, um, and Sam realizes that the tragedy that befell their family was on the eve of his six-month birthday anniversary, whatever you call it. Mm-hmm. Um, he immediately takes to blaming himself for what happened to Mary and what happened to Jess. Um, but Dean is trying to tell him it's not his fault. It's not his problem. It's their problem. As a family, they're going to take care of this. Yeah, yeah. Sam is definitely snagging on the fact that uh, he sees it as 
the attack ha- the attacks happen because of him you know yeah the demon was there because he was looking for a six-month-old child for whatever reason so that's why mary died and whatever happened to jess was obviously uh just because of her association with him sam and uh and so he is he's taking he's filing for (laughs) sole custody of this problem (laughs) but yeah dean's not having it and i like how fierce he gets here like like Dean knows what Sam has been going through in the past year and at and we've seen all the opportunities that he's taken to try to um drag Sam out of it once Sam, you know, goes too deep into his own head on these yeah. things. And so um I don't know, there's just something about Sam or Dean just like squaring up to Sam and having kind of a one-on-one moment of Dean trying to pull Sam back from those destructive thoughts, uh, regardless of, you know, John being in the room. John Mm -hmm. wasn't included in that moment. It was just Sam and Dean. Yeah, John doesn't know how to do that necessarily. Not without starting a fight with Sam. Right. And uh, I just, I liked that moment where we got to glimpse into their dynamic. I don't know. I mean, not that, but it's, it's, we've seen it before. Yeah. And like this episode, it's definitely um, Dean's job to pull Sam back from the brink. Yeah. Like he's, we hear it near the end of the episode, how hard he is fighting to keep the family together. Right. When he's got these two loggerheads that are so adamant on throwing themselves into the flames and martyring themselves for this cause. Right. Right. Yeah. But, okay, so if John knows how to find this thing, then what are they doing? Um, And he says that the signs are cropping up this time in Salvation, Iowa. Mm-hmm. So that is the next location that they're heading to. Mm-hmm. So they're convoying. Um, John, however, gets a call that we don't hear. We just see him pull off on the side of the road and Dean pulls off behind him. And um, it turns out that their associate, Caleb, called to let John know that Jim Murphy is now dead. His throat was cut, and there were sulfur traces nearby. Yeah. And John is taking it hard. Yeah. He seems very shaken by this. And they're wondering how it fits into the larger picture. You know, if there's sulfur there, that means a demon. But was it the demon who did this? Um, Or was it just a, it a hunt that Pastor Jim was on himself, and he caught the raw end of things exactly there's too much unknown right now but it's just unfortunate that jim died and Uh, but of the two options you know is this just a coincidence or is it a some sort of targeted attack we definitely see which way they're leaning because john um hardens in this moment of you know his grief and he says that he, he wants this over. He wants this ended. Yeah. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't care what it takes. I'm ending it now. 
yeah, he just seems to grow more resolved in what is happening and saying, okay, we clearly have to hustle because if something's going down, we just want to finish this. We want this to be over. And so um, they're going to head into Salvation. It sounds like there's a couple locations where birth records are recorded. They're going to split up and they're going to compile a list of all of those children that were born um, in the last year who are going to have their six-month anniversary in the next week. Yeah. Uh, I did you when they're driving into Salvation. There's this little like Salvation, Welcome to Sal- Salvation, uh, Iowa <laughs> road sign, and there is this uh quote unquote Bible quote uh on the road sign that says, "Are you ready for Judgment Day?" And then it cites uh, J W two twenty seven. Like it, mm-hmm. like it is a, like it is a Bible verse, but it's not actually a Bible verse because there's no JW book in the Bible. And yeah, it's in the format of one, but it's right. not actually one. Right. And are you ready for judgment day? It, there is all, there's all this stuff in like the wiki trivia. That's like, there's speculation that it was a message for John Winchester. And I'm like, well, <laughs> Sure, but not <laughs> someone just put it there because I thought it was cool. Yeah, I mean, it's tough to say what it is intended to be, but that would fit with what is going on for the characters. It's just weird that this one fucking town has this like graffiti on their sign and is like, yeah, we're cool with that. It's not even graffiti, it's like. Well, if it's not meant to be there, that's, oh. I guess, what I'm trying to say. Like, this defacement. It looks like it's all, like, fancily yes. em- em- embossed yes. onto yes. the signs. Like, it's, it, the funny thing is, it's, like, based on the dates of the birth records that um, that we see Sam looking at in a moment, it mm-hmm. is February near the end of the month. So, to 27. In 2006 still? No, two twenty seven. So okay. there's no there's no year quoted, but if we're gonna look at like two like book two or yeah, book okay. two verse twenty seven, then um then and if we think of that instead as a date, then uh it actually does match up to the the date that they're setting the episode in, this episode in. Um and all of this is to say that that's just like a dumb little Easter egg because it doesn't actually make sense that the demon was going to go in and write in, are, are you ready for Judgment Day, John Winchester, on this on this date? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to write you a secret message and he's like <laughs> kicking his legs up and he's doing it. John, did you see my letter? Did you see my letter, John? I know you were driving the other direction and you couldn't have seen it, but it was for you. It was there. Well, John would have seen it on his way out of town. Oh, I see. I see. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. we're thinking that the plan is like, I don't know. It gets too convoluted that sometimes I'm like, they're not this smart. Oh, no, 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 like, no. Again, again, this is, yeah, they're not this smart. These are the backflips that the Supernatural Wiki is doing, but 
<laughs> but but it's not even backflips because that's probably what the writers intended it to be. But it just also it's this um uh what what are the what are they called those like big contraptions that have like sixteen different steps? Yeah, it's like a Rube Gold- Goldberg Rube, machine. Yeah, the Rube Goldberg machine of the demons machinations, and um. It's like the yellow-eyed <laughs> demon is secretly Jigsaw. It's like, John Wistchester, you have fallen into my trap. Right. This this episode kind of a little bit reminded me of the uh, Buck Lemming episodes to come. So I just thought it was funny. God, you mentioned the Buck Lemming. In that fashion. <laughs> just trying to be too big brain. Yeah. Putting Well, I don't mind if they're like putting Easter eggs for the audience. It's just... Don't try and tie it to the characters too, I guess. <laughs> exactly. It wasn't even a fun one. It wasn't yeah, exactly. it wasn't a just for the audience one. It was yeah. like for the episode, which I thought was weird. Yeah. Okay. So they are going to check for possible baby candidates. And before they resume their drive, John is choked up about Jim saying that they're ending this now, whatever it takes. Mm-hmm. And that's the theme that sam latches onto as well Mm -hmm. um so we see john go into the first health resource center um meanwhile sam and dean are in these other locations checking through the birth records um dean questions a receptionist with a meaningless flirtation like why was that in this episode He, he doesn't even question her it's just john and sam are hard at work and dean is working it for whatever reason He's like, I wish I wasn't on the job right now. Flashes his badge sadly. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, come on. Um, while he's alone, Sam has a vision of a mother and child and what is to come that night. Um, during this vision, he sees kind of what the house looks like, the window from outside. He hears a train nearby. So he is looking on a map for possible houses that would be near train tracks. Um, but he keeps on having this vision, um, and it seems to be strengthening as he runs blindly through this park. Yes. And he stops in front of, uh, one house on the street that he recognizes the lace curtains in the window and coming down the sidewalk is the woman from his vision uh and a stroller or well pushing a stroller that holds uh rosie the baby uh baby the baby the baby girl from sam's vision and sam runs up to the woman um spins a quick little tale about how he just moved in down the street. He's just introducing himself. Oh, hi, Monica. Hi, Rosie. Oh, she's so, she's so cute. She's such a good baby. Mm -hmm. You know what I was thinking about while I watched this? I was like, it's raining again. And Kripke did not let Sam have an umbrella. Nope. (laughs) Uh, When they're, when they're in the road, John, Dean, and, uh, Sam, uh it's it's it looks like it's coming down pretty hard and um i i was looking at uh john and i'm like are those tears or are they just the raindrops it's just raining on his face right (laughs) (laughs) yeah because the whole um caveat that or the whole conceit i guess is the word i'm looking for 
um, that Sam uses to introduce himself to Monica is that she's struggling with the stroller and her umbrella and it seems to have just stopped raining. So she's trying to put it away. And Sam is like, I'm going to put my hand on this person's um, stroller. And she's going to just be totally cool with this stranger coming up and being like, can I push your baby? <laughs> right, right. Let me help you with your bag and your umbrella and your baby. Oh, yeah. I'm Sam, by the way. Yeah. And as soon as he finds out Rosie's age, you can see he's really stressed. And he just... He wants to say something, but he can't think of anything that will make sense. And so he has to let um, Monica and Rosie go on their way. And he can't warn them about how, what danger they're in. He just has to leave the family as oblivious. This woman, Monica, like, oh God, oh God, this strange boy is having an emotional breakdown on my sidewalk. What do I do? Yeah. Polite me, excuse myself for my husband. (laughs) Hello, husband. (laughs) you're here to defend me aren't you yes don't look at the strange boy and like he's in the middle of the sidewalk and his vision is strengthening and we're seeing all of these things like the clock stopping this mobile spinning unaided a figure looming over the cradle um, Monica psychically getting pinned to the ceiling with her belly cut and then the fire blazing all through the room like this is all very reminiscent of what we've seen before Yes. And you know what I was trying to remember, but I could not remember. This is the first time that um, Sam has had a vision like this, right? With Specifically with the infant and the mother and everything. Um, because he had, I think that I'm just like, my mind is conflating what's happening here with what happened at the Lawrence house. Where he saw the mother. Um, oh, I see, I see. who had the two young kids in the house that Sam and Dean grew up in in Lawrence. Uh, But it turned out not to be like some, anything related to the demon. It was, um, it was a poltergeist in the house. Yeah. Yeah. His vision at that time was like the mother in the window screaming for help. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was spooky ghost season inside. There wasn't any fire or anything involved. Okay. And then his other vision uh, regarding Max, the other um, yeah. Uh, kid. Um, the, he, it was like yeah. the dad in the garage. Right. Or something like that. Right. And he was wondering, like, why am I having these visions? Like, the, yeah. all the visions before Jess and the Lawrence house, like, I can kind of uh, explain off as something related to, to my own life uh, tied to me in some way but this 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 guy that i've never met before like why am i having visions about this um this family and it turned out that you know max also his it seems like he had the same encounter with this demon that sam did but his Mm -hmm. mother didn't interrupt as they say uh, so his mother didn't get, you know, persecuted by the demon in the same way that we we saw Mary and now this this uh, housewife in the vision that he's having right now. Yeah. And we also kind of get an explanation for why Sam hasn't had visions in a while in this episode. Because we were talking about that just last mm-hmm. week. But they make mention that it's like the yellow-eyed demon has to be near 
Um, and when he is, then Sam starts having these visions. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I forgot about this detail. Thank you for this. <laughs> it still feels like we left this one for a while, but. Well, is it even, like, is that just speculation or is it just things like related to the demon or I don't know. Yeah. Like I thought that Sam said something along that lines this episode that, you know, the demon must be near. I'm having these visions. Yeah. No, he did say something along those lines this episode. I just didn't think that we had established any sort of... We hadn't established that in any no. way previously. Okay. No, I'm pretty sure that was the first time we heard about it. Okay. Okay. Um. So I want... I, I wonder if this is just speculate... If they're going to treat this just as speculation or if this is something key that they're yeah. going to take and run with. If, yeah. If, if it's an actual indication that the demon is near. Um... But, but yeah, so, I mean, Sam sees out the, the full vision that he's having here, um, with the fate of this, this family. Um, and then we cut to John, Dean, and Sam together, and, uh, Sam has presumably just explained all, all of this, and John is having a wild freak out. Yeah, this is the first time John is hearing about Sam having visions, and Dean is not as freaked out. He confirms their legitimacy, um, what has happened in the past. And so, the, yeah, this is where Sam is wondering if they're due to proximity to the yellow-eyed demon. Mm-hmm. And meanwhile, John is just mad that they didn't call and tell him this. But Dean, very rightfully, yes. <laughs> says that, he has better odds of winning the lottery than getting John to answer his phone. Because they both have had emergencies where they tried to reach John and couldn't. Right. John's like, something like this is happening to your brother. You pick up the phone and call me. And Dean points out like, oh, they've made those calls before. Yeah, bitch. What do you think we do? Like, he points out the call in Lawrence when he was freaked out about Sam's vision the first time. He points out Sam's call when Dean was fucking dying in faith. And, you know, you don't answer your phone, old man. So what the fuck are you talking about? Right. Right. And that's a good point because, you know, I would I would say that the main motivation behind that first phone call, Dean calling from Lawrence, was him just being feeling very overwhelmed by the whole situation being back at Lawrence, being back at the house, um, thinking that whatever was happening there could be directly tied to his mother's death. Uh, He was calling in John because he he needed John to be there because he was just so overwhelmed by the situation. Um, Yeah. Like he was a kid in that moment again. He was back in this place. He swore he would never be. And he needed his dad to be there to help assure him or protect him or whatever. Right. Right. But then even, you know, on top of that, this is where Sam was telling Dean that he was having visions and, 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 that was part of it. So uh, Dean did pick up the phone and call about. Yeah. Yeah. You can't chastise him for it. He did exactly what you're yelling about right now. Right. And John doesn't really have anything to say. Like he's stuck in this boat where he's like, well, I don't like your tone, Mr. 26 year old. (sighs) I don't like your tone, but he does apologize. Yeah. He says, you're right. Although I'm not too crazy about this new tone of yours, but you're right. 
Yeah, and I'm just like, he's 26, 27 at this point. He's allowed to be a little bit bitchy when you're like, I'm saying a stupid sentence. And then he's like, that sentence is stupid. And you're like, how dare you point out the stupidity <laughs> of my sentence? Like, yeah. it's the drill sergeant coming out again. Right, right. But it's also like, so they have been separated from for about a year. Um, and this is an example of how that year has changed Dean for the mm-hmm. entirety of his life. He has just fallen in line with John. And I'm sure that even with, when Sam left, he had four years alone with John. Um, he may, sorry, I just got caught in the math. Was it two years or four years? I feel like it was two, but make up what you will. Sure. Sure. Um, there were, these years in between Sam leaving and it just being John and, and, and Dean alone. And, you know, t- Dean has been an adult in his own right for years and years, but he's never pushed back to John like this. He's always just, it, I, I, I can only assume it's just been the path of least resistance to yeah. partner with John. Um, well, in like the loosest tone? sense of the word, <laughs> partnering yeah. with John. Well, yeah, because the partnership that they have is the boss and the underling. Right. Like, don't think for yourself, do what I say. And that's what John has come to expect. Yeah. And this isn't even really a rebellion on Dean's part. It's just his frustration leaking out. Like, this is... Like, I'm doing what you tell me to do. I agree. I I think that's why it's so much more telling that John is like, what's this new thing that you're doing? Like sticking up for yourself. Not even sticking up for yourself. It's just like, even this littlest bit is out of character for, for, for Dean in John's eyes. So, so think of all the years of him just swallowing it down. Yeah. Being like, you're right, dad. I should have called you. Even though if you checked our fucking phone logs, you'd see that I did. Right. yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, another thing that um, I I don't want us to gloss over is that when Sam was talking with Monica about Hope, and it's not Hope, it's Rosie, about Rosie, <laughs> about the baby, um, Monica made this comment uh, about about the baby, and, and oh, she yeah. just said, yeah, she's such, like, she she's a good baby. She never cries. She just looks at you. And I swear, sometimes when she looks at you like that, it's like she's reading your mind. And um, and I like that they just slid that in there because they have posited previously with Max and then with Sam and how they both um, exhibited these, like, special powers, these psychic yeah. powers, um, that maybe that's why sam was targeted that this demon is going after these children specifically uh for their abilities that they don't even know about they're just like the special children yeah we don't know if it's a chicken or the egg situation yet but the little comment there is trying to point out that you know this baby is maybe a little peculiar and we don't know why Mm -hmm. and yeah that is that why the demon is targeting it? Yeah, yeah. Um, in the motel room here, um, Sam is bringing them back on track, and John is convinced that they'll stop the demon tonight. 
Um, but before they can really get further in their plan, Sam receives a phone call and it is Meg calling, asking for John. Yes. Meg, the last time I saw you, you were in a few different pieces on the ground after a seven-story drop. I guess you got better. (laughs) Yeah, and Meg's just like, I got better. (laughs) Yeah. Let me talk to your father. The adults (laughs) need to speak now. Exactly. Let the grown-ups be on the phone. Yeah. And it made me realize in this conversation, like, oh, they don't know Meg's a demon yet. Yeah. I was like, whoops. Because I feel like we just assumed that they knew. Or at least I did. So them being like, oh, she's alive still. Um, fucking weird. So <laughs> either she's a demon or she's possessed by one. Well, we, but, well, we as the audience, we had more insight than yes. Sam and Dean had. Because the last time that we saw Meg was in Shadow. And um, they were working under the assumption that Meg was some sort of, like, acolyte of the demon. Uh, still human, but dangerous in her her own right. Uh, but then when she died, quote unquote died, uh, we saw her revive off, you know, I shouldn't say off screen, but on screen just for the audience yeah not knowledge yeah outside of the main right. character's attention. Right, right, right. So we knew that she was still out there. They didn't know. Yeah. Yeah, um, Sam is trying to cover, um, being like, what are you talking about? I don't know, John. Like, he's just (laughs) not doing the greatest job covering for the fact that John's there. Yeah. And John's like, no, that's not going to work. Like, he holds his hand out for the phone and takes it. Right. And here we find out what is motivating Meg. Yes. Yes. Uh, she knows that John has the cult. And... If John has the cult, then as far as they're concerned, he just declared war. And in war, yes. there are casualties. And in this case, the the casualties are going to be everyone that you ever knew or loved or cared for, even the teeniest bit. I will come for them. I will kill them. And you can do nothing but witness the carnage unless mm-hmm. you give me the cult. Here, let me provide a, a little nifty demonstration. Example. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because as she's taunting about Jim's death, she also has their buddy Caleb mm-hmm. um, tied up. And when John is not sounding like he is agreeing immediately to Meg's demands, she just holds the phone out. She slits Caleb's throat and lets John listen to the gurgling. Yes. Um, so finally, John agrees to her demands to, you know, protect the people that they care about. And so she gives an address in Lincoln, Nebraska, and gives him until midnight to arrive. And he's like, ain't no fucking way I can get there in time. And she's like, cute story. Be there or I continue my murder spree. Yeah. I thought this was, I mean, well, this is also a good detail because at the surface level is confusing seeing as how the rest of the episode plays out but actually it's john trying to you know make a tactical move he's trying to buy time um Mm -hmm. they are in um iowa and john says 
look, I'm, I'm about a full day's drive away. I can't get there. Like I cannot get there in the time frame that you're asking me to. Mm -hmm. Um, and I can't, it's not like I can get on a, a plane with a gun and she's she, like you said, she just says, okay, yeah, well, bye, be here. Uh, or another person dies like the, like, yeah, one, one person per day. <laughs> yes. What, what are you going to do? Um, so John later, he, he does, you know, he, he, he does resolve to go and meet Meg on her terms and, uh, he's not, you know, he's not a full day's drive away. He's maybe a few hours, which mm-hmm. was, like I said, him saying that was just him trying to, um, buy, buy some time and be smart about it. Yeah. I feel like he also knew how critical tonight was, um, in their plans. You know, if they right. do indeed have baby Rosie as the next target, then he wants to be there for it. Right. So... Now that she is forcing his hand, um, he doesn't really have a choice that about being there for this final showdown, allegedly final showdown. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so he gets off the phone and, and, and the boys are immediately like, you can't give her the cult. Uh, we need it. We, this is our only chance to kill the demon and our only chance to kill the demon is tonight. And John says, well, I'm not going to bring her the cult. I'll bring her something that looks like the cult. And they're like, well, she's going to find out. And John says, I don't care if she finds out. All I need is a couple of hours. I just need to buy time. Yeah. And they realize, the the boys realize that what he's saying is, is that he's leaving them the cult. And, you know, all this is happening tonight. But he can't, John can't be there. Yeah, he's buying time for them. Right, he's buying the time for them to do what John now can't do. Yeah. And, you know, not many people have seen what this cult actually looks like outside of them, so there's a chance that it could work for a short period of time. But Dean is really concerned about what happens after Meg finds out that it's a fake. Yeah, and John doesn't seem... So concerned. No. He, he's just, he's just saying like, I don't, I, I'll figure it out, but I, I like, this is the play that's going to put you in the position to do what needs to be done. Yeah. This is going to save the family and potentially like all the families in the future. Mm-hmm. This is the and... shot and he just feels like they have to take it. Yes. And he, he goes on this little, I want to say rant, even though that's not quite right. Um, he's giving this monologue about how he wants to, he wants to save their loved ones. He wants Sam to go back to school. He wants Dean to have a home. He wants Mary alive. But more than anything, he just wants this to be over. Right. Because I think Dean says, do you really want us to be the ones to take on this demon alone? And John's like, no, that's not what I want. I, there's a lot of things I want. And the only way that I see us getting those things that I want for this all to end is to, yeah, 
let you do or trust yeah. you to to go after the demon yourselves and come out of it alive. Yeah, and like leave me to do this mm-hmm. thing for you. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Dean says, you know, like you have to know this is a trap. Just walking into Meg's hands and and so or sorry, John's like, yeah, 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 it is, but I don't have any other choice. Yeah. Yeah, um, because he we see we we've kind of cut. So from here, we cut out of the motel room, and they're having now a powwow where they're presumably parting ways. John is stuffing his pockets with rosaries and and holy water and yeah. silver He's knives. at the back of his truck going through his arsenal, prepping what he needs. Mm-hmm. Um, Sam is with him, and they both kind of turn when they see Dean driving up. And Dean hands over this paper bag that has the substitute Colt in it. Right, right. And uh, and Dean is, like I said, warning John that it's going to be a trap. And John puts up what Dean obviously sees as a... a, a a brave weak, face, yeah, yeah, a a a brave face and a weak one at that. Where John's like, I've got, I've got my salt, I've got my holy water, you know, like j- just trust your old man to get out, to get out there and I'll, I'll, I'll fight I'll f- the, this demon in this trap. Right, right. No, I'll, I'll figure it out. And Dean holds back his frustration, but we see him swallow it down, and um. He says, look, just just promise me one thing. If things go south, just get out of there. Don't try to don't try to run in and go down in a blaze of glory. Just get out of there. Yeah, don't get yourself killed because yeah. they're more valuable to each other alive. And John says, same goes for you. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if um I don't know if Dean doesn't say here what we hear him say to Sam later, which is don't be too reckless out there. You're you're no good to us dead. That kind of gruff pep talk. Um not pep talk, but anyways, he he, he was seeking reassurance in that moment, but he wasn't being too vulnerable about it. Uh where with Sam later we see him get extremely vulnerable about how invested he is in keeping his family alive and how frustrated he is with this <laughs> this recklessness that they're both John and Sam showing. Um, yeah. But anyways, I wonder if he didn't try to uh, appeal to John in the way that he later appeals to Sam because he wasn't ready for that vulnerability or if because he just knew that John wouldn't respond to it and the what what John would respond to was more of the like hey you're you know just don't be don't be dumb make the tactical choice get out of there if you can uh you're no good to us dead i don't know rather than yeah. hey i need you to come back alive because i don't know what i would do if you if i lost you 
Yeah. I think it's definitely um, the latter of your mm-hmm. description where the thing that John is going to respond to, or maybe the thing that John has not responded to historically has yeah. been that vulnerability. Because I can, I can see um, a potential past where Dean had those vulnerable moments and was not met with like positive reinforcement of them with his dad, that maybe he was rebuked for them or just told, you know, like, we have to be strong. We have to do this. And like, there's no room for those emotions. So I can see it being um, among the pattern that they have fallen into with each other that, Dean would take that little bit of distance, but still try and get his point across being like, you're no good to us dead. We're better as a family. We're strong like that. Just feeling that those are the things that John is going to respond to. Right. Right. And I mean, the heck we've already called back to one of those moments where John didn't meet Dean. um, When he made himself vulnerable uh, to John when we talk about that phone call in Lawrence where, mm-hmm. um, you know, Dean couldn't even express why he needed John to come. He, you know, he started out with like, look, there's a case. Maybe it's a lead yeah. on the demon. Like you should really come. But then he ended on, look, dad, I, I need, I need you here. I need you to come, please. I just, I need you here. And yeah. He didn't respond to that. Yeah, that was on deaf ears. I just thought that was an interesting moment. That was one thing that I um got me thinking. Yeah, I like that you slowed us down and took a moment to look at that because it's true that there Dean has very different approaches between Sam and John and I think you know, there's the history there, but there's also the fact that Sam and Dean have spent the last year in each other's company mm-hmm. um kind of reforging those bonds and maybe being more willing to have those vulnerable moments. Whereas John has been at a distance and has maybe lost that close intimacy that comes from proximity. Hey, I'd argue he might not, he never had it. Yeah. I'm, I was being generous in the description. That's for sure. Yeah. I mean, but, but, but for sure, because we just, you know, we, we just talked about it a few minutes ago with Dean's new tone. Yeah. John. And like the drill sergeant dad is not going to give an order and then five minutes later be like, how are you feeling, buddy? Like it's, you don't really get both of those. It's yeah. more of an inflexible personality. Yeah. 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 Um, so we are reminded that there are only four bullets left in the Colt. The bullets are what make that gun valuable. So make those bullets count. Mm-hmm. And... John ruefully reflects that it's the boys' fight now. They must finish what he started. And he passes over the colt to Dean, and they give their goodbyes, with John driving off and Sam and Dean watching him go. Right. And they have this moment where all three of them are like, so I'll see you later, right? Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. See, see you later. Yeah, okay, well, you know, I'll, I'll give you a call. I'll see you soon. I am not expressing the the undertones of this moment between Do- John, Dean, and Sam. They're all like, yeah, all three of us are going to be coming out of this on the other side. Um, yeah. And, and it actually starts with John being like, 
not convincing deliberately. I mean, I say deliberately, I mean like as an acting choice, deliberately not convincing when he's like, Oh yeah. Yeah, sure. I'll see you later because I definitely expect to get out of this alive. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. We're all going to be fine. We're going to go for ice cream after. Right. Right. But then by the third repetition of, okay, no. Yeah. I'll, I'll see you later. I thought it was a good moment. I'm again, I'm not explaining this correctly at all, but they were like, so, (laughs) so ice cream after, right? (laughs) And like, I couldn't believe that in this moment, they like so blatantly laid out what was the issue with season one, which is it's not actually like Sam and Dean's fight yet. It still is their father's fight. They're mm-hmm. even though they're the main characters, they're not actually on the front lines of this battle. They've spent the season playing catch up or chasing their father and then they have John right here right now say like this is your fight now finally. Like in the penultimate episode of season 1, you guys are taking the wheel. Mhm. Yeah. I mean, I feel like, I feel like definitely Sam has, I don't know. I don't know how to think. Cause I agree with you 100%. You know, their whole lives has been this quest for vengeance. And now with, uh, Sam and Jess, he's been launched into the same track that John has been, has been on for 20 years. Mm-hmm. Um, so in that sense, it's 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 just as much Sam's fight as it is John's. But I think that narratively, you know, the demon that killed mom, um, it, I, I agree with you. It is a big moment that John's, you know, handing over the baton. Yeah. And like, even though Sam is in a similar boat as John, um, the things that Sam and Dean have been doing have not been and we're going to go chase down leads on this demon on our own. Mm-hmm. It's we're going to try and find dad or we're going to be in this holding pattern until dad gives us orders. Very true. And now that they're in the bind that they are for this evening, um, they finally have to be on the front lines and John has to give over the reins. Very true. And it's the moment that, you know, the the narrative is changing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you've convinced me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So we cut to a new scene and it is nightfall. John is parking. He has his pockets full of weapons and he is scoping out this manufacturing area. Um, He sees this water tower on the roof and inside he is scoping out different getaway paths and one of them includes this water valve that he realizes that he could loosen and flip if need be. So we can see that he kind of has this plan um, coming to root even if we don't know what it is exactly yet. Right. Um, Meanwhile, at Monica's house, Sam and Dean are debating what to do. You know, do we tell them it's a gas leak? Well, how often has that worked? Do we tell them the truth? And they kind of do a beat, 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 nah. (laughs) And then they only have one move, which is wait for the demon to show up and then kill it. Yeah, we get it before it gets them. Yeah. And... While they're sitting here, they're kind of wondering how John is doing, and they wish that he could be there as backup. 
and or even that they're all together undivided I guess would be the right way of saying what they're feeling right now yeah I think I think Sam says yeah man I wish we had died here as backup and Dean's the one that says well I wish we were there to back him up yeah like either way it just sucks for them that they're left with this uncertainty and having to trust that you know John's going to make it out okay right um so back with John, we see him up on the roof with that water tower. Um, he has to do some quick moving to avoid Meg's gaze. She is on the ground, backlit in red, and kind of looking around, scoping out whether he's there yet. Right. And he is there. He's on the roof. And he uh, is able to pull open the... Uh, top to this like water source that seems to be like flowing through this warehouse and we see him bless the water yes he drops the rosary inside and we're like getting a better inkling of what his plan is yeah yeah um back at the house sam is thinking about how it's so surreal that they're finally here after all these years and he tries having a vulnerable moment where he thanks Dean for everything, for always having his back and being the one person that Sam could always count on. And Dean kind of yaks in his mouth because he doesn't want to think that this knight needs these goodbye platitudes, you know, just in case we don't make it out. He's like, no, we are making this out. Nothing's going to happen to us. The only thing that's dying tonight is the demon. Yeah. Yeah. And I liked this because it wasn't like, it, it wasn't Dean putting up like that, ooh, no trick fuck moments yeah. line. It was Dean getting fierce about it and a little bit angry and saying hey come on i don't want that from you i don't want to hear that speech the just in case speech that's bullshit we're not we're not dying tonight dad's not dying tonight um and i resent the fact that you're even thinking like that exactly like he's worried that sam isn't in the right headspace for this evening and that's the thing that he's reacting to right right he's like no put that bs out of your mind because that is not why we're here we're not here to go in guns blazing and you know going down in a rain of fire that is yeah. not why I'm here and that shouldn't and that should not be why you're here. Exactly. And like I think that that whole attitude is something that needs to get hammered into Samya, especially in this episode. Mm-hmm. We're going to see the end result of that next episode um with Sam kind of realizing the costs that he's willing to pay in order to be rid of this demon. Because this episode in particular, we're seeing Sam is willing to trade his life. Like, no questions asked. He's like, you didn't even ask for my fucking death, but I'll give it to you for free if it means that this is over tonight. Yeah. Um, And it's left to Dean to try and convince him otherwise. And, like, it's a very 
11th hour for Dean to realize how close he might come to losing his brother, not because their backs are pinned to the wall and it's the only thing that could happen, but because Sam runs off the leash and gets himself killed. I mean, you, you've got to feel for Dean for this episode because he is the haggard mother that's got one kid running circles around the, the swimming pool with a knife in his hand and the other yes. one's on the roof with a Superman cape on. Oh my God. And just being like, sweetie, get down from there. No, you don't jump. Your bones will break. No, put the knife down. You trip, you die. Like, please just stop. Please, Why can't you? you want to live? I know. Uh, yeah. So, we don't really see Sam having that sink in. He mm-hmm. kind of is hearing what Dean is saying, but just nodding in. It's not something he's connecting to just yet. Mm-hmm. Very, um, mirrored to, I would say, the, the, okay, so ice cream after, right? Yes. <laughs> that we just saw with, with John. Yeah, yes, sure. Yeah, exactly. I'll see you later. Yeah. Okay. We'll go through the motions, but it's like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. okay, I'm going to do what I want to do anyways. Right. He's trying so hard. Dean, We see Dean trying so hard. Yeah. He's just trying to get through to, to these two people and it's not working. Mm-hmm. The two people that he's the closest to that are the most important to him. And it's like they're not listening. Yep. Uh, so on that heartfelt moment... We go back to John, and he is meeting Meg, um, and she is sassing him for his stoic revolve. <laughs> yes, she is. She's trying to quip at him, and he's not responding. And I, she didn't say this, but I did think it. She's like pouting, poop, you're not as fun as Sam is. <laughs> Truly, because the boys give her plenty of ammunition, but... The most that she has against John is like, hmm, I thought you'd be taller. And it's like, he's six foot one. How fucking tall did you think he would be? Was <laughs> it just because you looked at Sam and you're like, oh, the dad has to be bigger. Well, he says, you know, the way that they talk about you. Yeah, fair enough. The, big, the legends bad around you. John Winchester. So he is asking her what reassurance he has of getting out of here alive. And she's like, I ain't giving you shit. Like, you're giving me the gun goodbye. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. They're like, well, if you're as good as you say you are, then... Or if you're as good as they say you are, then I'm sure you'll figure something out. Yeah, it's up to you, bucko. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe, maybe I'll be nice. Who knows? Yeah. She's very mercurial, so we'll just see what whims she has at the end of this evening. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. This... Other demon shows up. His name is Tom. His name is Tom? His name is Tom. This is before they're like, hey, maybe we'll give demons biblical names. (laughs) Well, to be fair, I wonder... No, don't be fair. No, I won't be fair. Well, this is always the thing where it's like early demon canon, they establish that the... The demon doesn't really care for names or whatever. They just uh, they just go by the name of whoever they're possessing. Yeah, the alias. Right. The body that they took. I mean, Meg Masters is actually Meg Masters. Yes. The demon possessed her. 
and she's just Meg. Um, so it's like, I, I don't know. I think that early canon was assuming or insinuating if they even gave it that much thought that the demons have no name. They just, they just possess the body and, um, become she or whatever. Yeah. There's a lot of, in the demon lore of Supernatural that was, like, never really super hashed out because Mm -hmm. we have some demons that have biblical names and then we have some demons that are literally named Megan. (laughs) Right, and I I think it's really just the demons from the early season and even then it's just, like, Meg and Ruby and then after that they kind of moved away from the trend uh where they were like taking the name along no matter the vessel yeah but then um I think that on the whole most demons have their own name anyways that's a lot to say about a demon (laughs) named Tom a demon named Tom I just have him in my notes as unknown male uh Ugh, the unknown man, but Tom, his name's Tom. His name's Tom. Okay, he's All just right. here for one episode. He's only here to be a bit of a bitch. <laughs> he he comes out very Buffy looking, two thousand something actor. Mm-hmm, he's got mm-hmm. the spiky locks. Very much O six right now. Oh, very O six. Yeah, yeah. Meg demands the gun from John, and John gives it to her, so she gives it to Tom, and then he um, inspects it and decides to test it by shooting Meg. Yeah, Meg takes it, but she looks at it, she gives it to Tom, says, so what do you think? And Tom's like, doesn't matter what I think, I'm gonna, I'm gonna know, and shoots yeah. Meg. And then she's like, that hurt. And it's like, okay, but it didn't kill you, so it's a fake. Ruh-roh. Yes. yes. She's like, you shot me. I can't believe you shot me. Because, like, this could have, could have, should have, would have killed her. Yeah. Uh, but it didn't, so. Mm. John, what the fuck? <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh, well, and here John impresses me a bit again. He's like, I've never used it before. I, how was I supposed to know it wouldn't work? Meg, again, not buying it even the littlest bit. I am not in the mood for this. i just been shot. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's pretty good, like, little beats that are happening here. I enjoyed it. Yes. Yeah, I did too. Yeah. And, uh... <laughs> John, he goes and escapes down a hall. It's the one that has the pipes on either side and that valve. So he flows, he opens the valve, water starts flowing out of it, and it stops Meg and Tom in their tracks. Because lo and behold, that water he was blessing is pouring out from this valve. It is holy water blocking their path. Yep. And Meg's just like, Real cute. Yeah, cute. All right. Yeah. But it buys him some time and he uh, retreats. Yes. Cut back to the house and Dean's call to John goes unanswered. Um, Sam tries not to read into it. But as they're sitting there in the car, the Impala's radio starts acting up and there's a weird breeze in the air the house lights are flickering 
um, they realize that it is time to sneak inside the house and do their thing. Yeah. Briefly back to John, uh, he makes out of the warehouse, but his tires on his truck are slashed, so he cannot uh, escape by vehicle. So he just I, runs, I suppose, to try to hide himself in the compound. Yeah. And it's as he's running there, Tom comes out of the fucking darkness and he uses his psychic powers, whatever, his telekinetic abilities to pin John to the wall. Yes. Corner. So, uh-oh. Um, when we're back with Sam and Dean and they've snuck inside the house, the husband is in there and he is ready to throw hands. <laughs> like, is he just patrolling the house with a baseball bat and is like, finally, the night that I need this has come. Oh, he's just trying. He comes out of the shadows with a bat and Dean deftly dodges and then disarms him within half a second. He's just trying to protect his family. Yeah, but what inspired him to do it in the first place? Because it's not like the boys were loud when they were coming in the house. And it's well, not like the average person would be like, oh, spooky wind. I I would I would counter that when we um, cut back into the scene, we have Dean who has jimmied open the front door with a knife in the lock. And um, we see him opening the door, but we didn't see... All of the shimmying and jimmying it took to get okay. the knife into the hinge. So I accept that backflip. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And let's just uh, let's just assume that uh, this Mister Holt was pulling a John Winchester and had passed out on the recliner in front of the TV downstairs. While oh, yeah. Oof. His his wife was up in the bedrooms. Yeah. I will accept. (laughs) Thank you. And then the bat was in the coat closet because he plays with the neighborhood. Okay, too far, too far, too far, too far, too far. No. (laughs) Rejected. I got my little stamp out. I'm like, no, I will not accept that heck. (laughs) (laughs) He plays softball with the the neighborhood dads, B. (laughs) He's been there for six months. Yeah, he's making new friends. Okay, okay, okay. Remy, have what you will. (laughs) The best way to make friends be is to, you know, join recreational activity teams. Have you know, I have done not one sporting event and I still have friends, allegedly. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say, how many friends do you have, B? Okay, don't put me in the spot. You're not my therapist. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, but, but they, so Dean pins the guy to the wall. Charlie. Um, huh? Charlie. Charlie? His name is Charlie? I'm pretty sure it's Charlie. Okay, we'll call him Charlie. Um, I, I just had Mr. Holt because uh, once Dean uh, has the guy, he's saying like, hey, shh, 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 Look, we're here to help. Be quiet. Uh, we're we're here to help you, uh, and and yeah, even Sam is saying, Mister Holt, Mister Holt, like 
calm down. Mm-hmm. We're sorry we just broke into your house, but listen to me. It's time to listen to me now. There. <laughs> oh boy, but Charlie. Um, well, so Monica, uh, on the second floor of the house, she calls down. And she asks if everything is okay. Everything is not okay. Uh, Charlie, despite uh, Sam and Dean telling him to calm down, he yells up for Monica to get the baby and run. And uh, that is absolutely not what Sam and Dean want to happen. Sam immediately uh, yells up to Monica, do not go into the nursery. Uh, He charges up the stairs. We see Monica in fact, go into the nursery and the, um, the sequence of the, the events of Sam's vision are beginning to come to pass. Yes. What we saw in the vision is now taking place in reality. Um, we have Monica, you know, psychically being pushed to the roof. Um, but this time Sam runs in, Um, He has the colt raised, aimed at the demon. He takes his shot, but the figure vanishes. And we just see that the bullet passed through the wall. Yeah. Um, And before, but before he takes a shot, we do see um, the demon turn and we see the yellow eyes that has come to characterize this, this villain, the yellow eyed demon. Yes, that's how we know that we have the big villain, right. the big D, capital D demon yes, in yes, the yes, room yes, right yes, now. Yes, yes, So he vanishes. Um, Monica drops to the ground. She's rightly freaked out. Sam is scooping her up and trying to get her out of the house. She's yelling about Rosie, but Dean runs in and scoops up the baby and gets her out of the cradle crib um right in time because it bursts into flames yeah yeah and they um sam and dean heard everyone downstairs and outside and deliver rosie and monica into the arms of mr holt charlie (laughs) and he is telling them to get the fuck away from my family (laughs) I mean, yeah, correct. You know, these two random guys show up in your house, fire a gun in your house, your house bursts into flames. It's like, I don't know what happened, but you two are the new items to the equation. And I think that the fuckery afoot is your fault. Yeah. Yeah. He tells them to back off, but Monica defends Sam and Dean and says that, in fact, uh, they saved them from whatever was going down in the nursery yes and when they look up at the nursery window on the second story we can see inside all of the flames um the figure of the demon is still there and sam sees this he has the kill bill sirens going off (laughs) he is ready to go back in and it takes dean holding him physically back to stop him um And they argue a bit, you know, Dean's very rightly being like, you will die if you go in there. Yeah. Dean says, it's suicide. Sam says, I don't care. Let me go. Yeah. Yeah. 
but fortunately Dean is able to hold him back long enough that we see the figure disappear upstairs and so the demon is gone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cut back to the motel room. Just yes. Sam and Dean. And Sam is very pissed that Dean stopped him. Um, well, Dean is trying to call um, John. And yes. and Dean is very worried that John is not answering his phone. Um, yeah. It's been way too long. He should be answering by now. But something yeah. must be wrong. So, exactly. Sam, are you hearing me? Something's gone wrong. And Sam's head is not in the game. He's still back at um, Monica and Charlie's house thinking of what he would have done differently to stop everything tonight like he said that they would. Gosh, he's like, if if you had just let me go in there, then it would be over. I could have ended it. Yeah. And Dean is like, the only thing that you would have ended is your life. Like, you would have died. And Sam is arguing, well, you don't know that. And I'm just like, Sam, if you took a step back, you would realize that when you were in the quote unquote perfect condition, you know, you were in the same room as the demon, you had a clear shot, there was no fire afoot, the demon still vanished so you couldn't hit him. Mm -hmm. So what's to say that you wouldn't, you know, storm your way into this ablaze house and... The same thing happens, and then you just fucking die of smoke inhalation. Like, kid, give your head a shake. But he's just too blinded by this need for vengeance. He can't see what he would have been risking and for nothing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I would say the demon was even obviously, like, taunting them. Yes. Knowing that it was hopeless. Yes. The only thing it didn't do was put its thumbs up beside its ears and waggle its tongue going, yeah, yeah. Like, that's exactly what it was doing. If it was season 13, they would have done it. Oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> but it's season one. So we've got, you know, the demon silhouetted in flame with his popped collar and ominous trench coat. and Yes. Very serious business. Face in shadow. It's deadly serious. Deadly. <laughs> we, still, we, we have no idea what this demon looks like. All we know is his yellow eyes yeah dun dun so sam was willing to sacrifice himself but dean won't let that happen and sam even says like this demon's the only thing we care about and dean counters that it's not worth dying for and he means it he refuses to lose his brother to this cause i love this because dean is saying it's not worth dying over and sam um, excuse me, where have you been for the last 22 years? It's not, yeah. what do you mean it's not worth dying over? Like, I thought that's what we were doing here. And Sam and Dean's like, that's absolutely not what I'm doing here. Yeah. And like, Sam mentions mom and Jess, but Dean's the one who points out that Sam has already said it himself, that they're gone and never coming back. And we echo the scene in the pilot with, um, at the time, Dean pushed Sam up against this wall and was like, don't you dare say that. But now the situation is reversed and it's Sam who is pissed that Dean is pointing out these facts that, you know, they're dead, they're not coming back and it's not worth dying for. Yeah, I didn't even catch that parallel. Don't say that. Don't you dare say that. Exactly. 
as it went down when uh, Sam said the same thing to Dean. She's gone and she's not coming back. Our yeah. whole lives were spent chasing this vengeance plot of our dads and it fucked us up. It was what Sam was saying in the pilot episode. But you have to face it, Dean. Mom's not coming back. And Dean was the one to push back in that moment. And now it's Sam that pins mm-hmm. Dean to the wall and says, no, that's that's all I have. That's Yeah, don't you say that, not after everything. Right, right. And I got, I got the same desperation from Sam here that Dean is now um, expressing with his next lines. And, you know, yeah. this is all that I have. So you can't take it away from me. I think, I feel like Sam is saying to Dean here, like, you can't take this away from me. This is all that I've been working for and towards in this last year. It's all that I have. Yeah, because he repeats himself. He says, like, the three of them are all that we have. And it's all that I have. And this little moment here where he says that sometimes I feel like I'm barely holding it together, man. Without you and dad, and like he trails off there, like, again, you mentioned how when Dean was speaking with John, there wasn't that air of vulnerability. But here, Dean is practically crumbling, and he's telling Sam, like, I am falling apart. I am worried sick. Like, I can't lose you guys, and yet you're hell-bent on losing yourselves. Like, this is yeah. all that I have. Yeah, that's what Dean says. It's it, like, you're all that I have. This is all that I have. I don't know what I would be if I lost you two. Either one of yeah. you. So, yeah. don't... You, you cannot throw it away. It, uh, no... And this is just me speaking, but no vengeance mission is worth dying over. That's what Dean is saying. It's not worth dying over. And that was just, you know, does not compute with Sam. But I have to agree with him. I think anyone with half a brain has to agree with him. Outside of fucking anime television. (laughs) Like, (laughs) vengeance pods will get you nowhere. Like, it's, it's... It's blinding them at the point to be like, okay, do you realize how far down this path you are and how much it's cost? John never did. Dean's the only one, like, checking the price tags and being like, ooh, yikes, guys, I don't think we can afford this. (laughs) And they're just like, anyways, we're hell-bent on going down this path. Yes. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So with Dean's words, Sam finally cries about dad and tells Dean to try again. You know, John should have called them by now. Yeah. He's finally kind of woken up to the reality of what he was ready to do. And yet also, okay, you didn't die. You have to keep going. And one of the things that you have to do if you keep going is worry about your dad. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. And we cut to John's cell phone ringing, but he doesn't answer. Meg does. And she tells the boys that they really screwed the pooch this time, that they'll never see their father again. To be continued. Dun, dun, dun. Very drama. And here we have our first to be continued. (laughs) How exciting. Yeah, we had to end with a kidnapping. And I'm happy it was John. (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, at least if it was San Martino, I would know that it would come out. They would pull through somehow. I don't know whether to talk about this episode or next episode, but the companion book was talking about the logistics that they were trying to work through because initially I think the plan was that Sam was going to be the one who was kidnapped. Ooh. Um, but Jeffrey Dean Morgan was also very busy on Grey's Anatomy and they just didn't have the time needed to shoot scenes where he and Dean were trying to rescue Sam. So by necessity, John had to be the one who was kidnapped. Ooh. And... Yeah, the companion book is just talking about the serendipity of writing sometimes, that you might have one plan and then the logistics of enacting yeah. it tell you you have to do something else yeah. and then you end up better for it. I agree, because, I mean, just knowing where next episode is going, I think that narratively uh, having John be the one, the kidnappy, and everything that, all the dominoes that fall from that is uh much more compelling so yes yes that's it so really funny though them. because we just had an entire season of supernatural where john is in what three four episodes yeah and i think that on the whole in early um gray's anatomy to, it, he's really only in like five or six episodes but it's such an important thing. Think of how much coverage he has to do and how many scenes and lines and what have you. I just find it funny that both of these things happened at the same time. Oh, I know. <laughs> and, and all the time of, you know, just thinking about how that's so funny. Because, like, when I was in 2006, I was the one sitting down on my couch and tuning into ABC to watch Grey's Anatomy on a Thursday night on yep. cable TV. Oh, yeah. I remember me and my roommates were just so obsessed that, like, every... I'm pretty sure... Well, you said Thursday. I felt like it was Sundays at the time. I could be fucking wrong. Oh, no. But I, it... Thursday Thursdays was um, uh, Desperate Housewives, so... Oh, yes. Yes, yes, yes. I was just thinking about that today. Oh. <laughs> I I know for a fact that Thursdays was Desperate Housewives. Um, I did not remember what what day Grey's Anatomy was, so I just fudged it. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> I I could be very wrong about Sundays as well. Yeah, I think it was Monday or Sunday. Yeah, that sounds right. Oh my god! But yeah, he was filming down in L.A. and then Supernatural was filming up in Vancouver, so it was just yeah too much turnaround like they couldn't keep him long enough to film longer scenes so they're like okay we have to change it um we have to make him the kidnappy because then we can have just you know single scenes with him in it or like less scenes because now uh -huh. sam and dean are the ones that are doing most of the rescue mission that's funny Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. like you said better off for it yes so, so here we are. Rock, paper, Remember? scissors. Yeah. Okay. How does that work over a visual? <laughs> well, we just... versus auditory medium. <laughs> well, okay, fine. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot, and then we just say what we landed on. The shoe is involved. Shoot. Rock, paper, okay. scissors, shoot. You go on. You go on. Shoot. You do not go on scissors. That is wrong. 
So instead of saying shoot, do you say your thing? Sure. Or you go rock, paper, scissors, shoot, and then the thing. Let's go let's go rock, paper, scissors, shoot, and then and then we'll say the thing. Okay. And we'll either have to trust each other to say it at the same time or trust each other to reveal it consecutively and not okay. cheat. Okay. 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 Ready? Okay. Rock, paper, scissors, Rock, paper, shoot. scissors. So my final takeaway is that <laughs> I really like... <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, I know you were describing what to do, but I was just sitting in my head being like, cat, 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 meow, 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 meow. <laughs> and I was like, okay. <laughs> I didn't... <laughs> it's okay. I was I pulled a Dean and just threw scissors, so... I was going to say scissors, too, but that's, I think, because of poor memory retention, or it's like rock, paper, scissors. That's my thing. Scissors. <laughs> What's your final takeaway, V? Okay. Um, I think I'm just really jiving with Dean, because very obviously he's my favorite. I really like the way that he is trying to keep the wheels on the road, mm-hmm. um, and it was just... It was interesting to see that brief moment where he stood up for the injustice of John saying, you should have called me when in fact they did. And then Dean also trying to bring Sam back to reality um, about the consequences of sacrificing himself for this thing. Yeah. Yeah. This was just another episode where it is so starkly apparent that uh, Dean is the pillar of this family. and Yeah, he's the glue. Yes, 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 yes. Without his support, I don't know what would go down, but it would be ugly. <laughs> yeah, it's like either Sam and John would have killed each other, or they're just... Killed themselves. <laughs> yeah. Like, they, they seem hell-bent on it, and given a chance to finally confront the demon, they're both just like, I want this over, I want to end this, and Dean's like, I want to live after this. Yeah. And it's just that very subtle distinction that it doesn't feel like John and Sam really have. They're just willing to, you know... I'll stand here holding the villain as the rocket comes crashing down and blows us both to smithereens. Yeah. And Dean is saying, no, there's got to be a better way. We have to do it different. Mm-hmm. And and on, the, on that, this may be a bit too meta for the conversation at this point. So, you know, season one. But it was, God, I had a moment here watching this episode and watching Dean, like, fight for his life and Sam's life and John's life and season one Dean is not he gets so beaten down in 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 later seasons and we just see him slip into being the kind of person that wouldn't fight for their lives or his life like Dean after hell really gets this seed of complete worthlessness like it gets fed and watered for 40 years and it's just heartbreaking to see where he started versus 
where he ends up. Yes. Yeah. I had that moment here. This is who Dean was before he came to be the Dean that I know best, which is a much more depressing version of who Dean is. Yeah. Oh, baby. I know, baby. My final takeaway is that I fell a little in love with Meg this episode. Aww. I did. She was good. I really enjoyed her. I mean, just in general, I really enjoy Meg's actress and Meg as a character. And I think that they do a good job with her. or She makes it a good job um, with this villainess. And I just love the way that she plays it. And I love the way that they write her. And I enjoyed seeing her this episode. And I just, I, I like her as a, as a villain. Yeah, I really like Nikki. She does a great job. It's too bad that she wasn't through the full show, but I'm also appreciative of Rachel. Yeah, It's just <laughs> Supernatural, the TV show, has <laughs> so, so many decisions that are like, what? <laughs> but yeah, she's a lot of fun this episode, even if she's killing off um, characters that would have been great to have around for a bit longer. Oh my gosh. B, you told me right before we started recording, um, you said there's like an opening quote or like a little tidbits about, about the directors and the writers for each episode in your companion book. Yes. Yes. So this episode for Salvation, because it was written by Sarah Gamble and Rael Tucker, um, the behind the scenes bits in this companion book is mostly talking to them. And right after they do the summary of the episode, we jump into a quote from Sarah Gamble, and it goes, I wanted to see all the characters mentioned throughout the season, so I decided to just kill off everyone, writer Sarah Gamble confides. Her co-writer, Rael Tucker, expresses the same deadly curiosity. That's what I wanted to do, because secretly I just wanted to meet them, and I knew that the only way that Eric Kripke was going to let me meet them all is if I killed them all. <laughs> and I'm just like, okay, what we were talking- okay. I just want to cringe off the map. Yeah, yeah. Like, between Kripke being like, yes, that's a great idea, or like, that's the only way you're going to meet these characters, and Sarah Gamble being like, my first instinct is to murder them. I'm like, there's so much, like, of their psyches on this page that I'm, like, gasping. I'm like, how did you say that out loud? (laughs) Oh, my God. There's They're just... It fucks me up to hear Sarah Gamble say so plainly, I wanted to see all these characters, so I decided to kill off everyone. Yeah. The only way I knew um, that Eric would allow me to write them in is if I killed them all, so. Yeah. Those two together, I'm like, they probably fed some instincts that, as a TV viewer, I don't appreciate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, man, yeah, Caleb... Pastor Jim, rest in peace. You didn't yeah. deserve that. Oh, and this um, companion book also summarizes that the cult was not something they knew about at the time that they were writing this episode. Mm-hmm. 
And then they were coming up with their own versions of what they could use to fight the demons. And they were getting really frustrated. And finally, somebody walked in and said, quote, we have the perfect weapon. And the cult just seems so appropriate for the show. It has this Old West kind of feel for it. But like, they're in the middle of writing this and they're like, well... We're sure in a pickle. And I was like, don't worry, we came up with something. And like, like I said, I'm like, this, <laughs> the fucking MacGuffinry of the cold drives me crazy. Well, they knew they needed their lightsaber B. They just didn't know what it was yet. They were going to figure it out. Ugh. Ugh. Yep. I'm also seeing Kripke fun over Robert Singer. And that's why I'm going, ugh. <laughs> <laughs> I am not good enough at supernatural yet to appreciate or differentiate the tones that certain directors take i think the most memorable thing that you can take from singers directing <laughs> is the season 13 finale um how it ends with us zooming in on Dean as Michael, spoilers, and then it freeze frames. <laughs> okay? Uh, yeah, I remember. I just it. summarized, like, that's how you'll know. Freeze frame. They even make fun was of the freeze zooms? frame. Was the there French freeze frames? <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I will not forgive that freeze frame, I guess, <laughs> is where I'm coming from. Oh, Supernatural. I love you so. I do love you oh, so. Supernatural. You give us so much to talk about. <laughs> and I love it. I love it too. Thank you guys for sticking with us and for listening to our episode 21. Uh, yes. Next episode, we will talk about the season finale for season one in episode 22 devil's trap dun, dun, dun. yeah i'm excited we're almost there <laughs> oh only 13 more 13 more to go b <laughs> if okay we've gotten through over 60 episodes i guess we should say that's pretty good yeah yeah I, I, if you guys are just joining us for season one we did live watch season 14 and 15 so yeah we've got that under our belts but we yeah. always say that by the time we get back over there, we'll probably just do it again. So we'll see. I mean, it's going to take us long enough. I love it. Yeah. I'm happy to be here, Remy. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You guys want to chat with us? You know where to find us. And otherwise, we will see you next week. Yes. We will see you next week. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Bye.